Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now it will go again. Twist a little bit deeper because I got thick skin. Welcome back to another edition of After the Snap. I'm your host, Reed Ferguson, long snapper for the Buffalo Bills. And we are without... The uh, other co-host this week, Blake Ferguson, he uh, came back a little late from his overseas trip, but I am joined today by our producer, Chris Kruger. Chris, how you doing? You know, living the dream. I want to cover a few things. Obviously, uh, the main gist of this podcast that we're going to do is uh, a bit of a March Madness preview. Uh, I believe, Chris, you can chime in, I believe this the, these three weeks... Of, of action are some of the best three weeks of the whole year. Yeah, I believe that for basketball. I mean, just think of how many like boys trips you can plan out to Vegas and bet, watch basketball, or even there's going on here in Buffalo. It's down at Key Bank Center. We got the first two rounds of the uh, the tournament here in Buffalo. Yeah, I saw that. I was um, obviously it's a few weeks before things get kicked off, uh, and we have to report back to Buffalo. But if I was up there, I would definitely be going. Uh, there's also, I mean, we're, we're down in Houston at the moment. I know there's a few uh, a few games going on in Dallas. I had planned on driving up there to catch those if LSU made it. I know they were kind of uh, Joe, Joe Lenardi, the, the ESPN bracketologist, who who got. A lot of things wrong, in my opinion. He kind of he kind of was guessing on on some of his uh, brackets that he put out a couple weeks ago that LSU might land uh, in in the in the region to play in Dallas. So I was kind of gearing up to maybe go see them up there. They did not. I think they are playing in Milwaukee. They're down there in the uh, in the Midwest region, I believe. So yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. Or I guess I should say today, because the podcast will release on Thursday. We've got a big weekend ahead of us. Super stoked. But first, I want to get into some of this uh, insanity that dropped today. Chris, obviously, you running a Buffalo Bills podcast. I want to get your thoughts on the moves that just dropped, I mean, merely hours ago uh, for the Buffalo Bills. It was crazy to to be on Twitter and to see back-to-back O.J. Howard and Von Miller signing in Buffalo. I had to do a double take. I had to go, okay, I had to make sure this isn't a troll account. This is actually from Schefter. This is exactly what I'm seeing from from Rap Sheet, Ian Rappaport. It's crazy. You know, a lot of people on Twitter that you see right now is, uh, it's actually trending here in Buffalo based on my algorithm. He's 32, is trending because a lot of people are like Von Miller, thirty-two, six-year deal, but based on the contract numbers, it's really a three-year deal, and then we'll see after because Buffalo will have a couple of outs when he hits thirty-five. But it's something that Buffalo's been lacking, and from what I've heard on Twitter and people that at least I interact with from the Rams fan base and people that have connections with the Rams is that Von Miller was quite a hit within the locker room from a leadership standpoint for that LA playoff run. And that's what he's going to be bringing to Buffalo. 
Yeah, I mean, how, I mean, just right off the bat, obviously he's got two Super Bowl rings. Now, one with uh, L.A., obviously, and then one with Denver uh, previously, I don't know, six, six years ago, six or seven years ago with Peyton Manning. But uh, it's hard. I mean, how many guys in the league have – have two or more rings. So you're probably you know, ten, less than 10 guys probably. It'll be great to have a, to have a dude like that in the locker room. Uh, obviously, the past couple days, Monday and Tuesday, was the tampering period, so a lot of the rumors came out. Uh, but the uh, Bills signed more than Von Miller, more than A.J. Ho- uh, o- o. Howard, a couple D linemen. Um, I thought we were going to get that running back uh, out of Washington. It looked like he uh, bailed out and went back to Washington. But we are very excited. Uh, I am very excited for the future of the Buffalo Bills. Chris, I know you are. Just wanted to hit on a couple of the uh, other big signings. Um, and because this is a, a long snapping podcast, I want to hit on uh, a few that uh, I noted today. Josh Harris, who we have had on the podcast, uh, former Atlanta Falcons, long snapper for, I believe, 10 years uh, just signed with the L.A. Chargers um, for, I, I believe it was a four-year contract. Uh, makes him the new highest-paid long snapper. So, congrats to Josh. Uh, that's a big move for him. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if he'll move his family out there, but uh, that's a big move for him. Congrats to Josh. And Casey Creeder uh, is back with the New York Giants. He's been there for a couple years after he made the Pro Bowl in Denver, and I believe. Patrick Scales uh, signed back with the Chicago Bears. So uh, that's it for the snappers uh, that I am aware of. I know a big kicker signing down in Atlanta, uh, Youngway Koo, uh, Tyler Bass's good buddy. He signed five years, 24 and a half. Chris, did you see that deal? I didn't see the deal. I saw that he signed it was a, with, a, with a huge <clears throat> extension. The other... Specialist thing that I kept note of was that the the Rams were releasing Johnny Hecker. I did see that has an absolute leg. He's also got an arm. That I did not I know. Think he, I think he's got. Um, I think he's probably thrown. Gosh, I think he has probably four or five successful fakes, maybe more than that. Uh, I think he. I think he's thrown for at least a hundred yards, is what I saw yesterday. A bit of a troll tweet, but somebody joked that the QB market was back back on pins and needles now that uh, Johnny Hecker might be on the market. But the Dolphins got a running back, Chase Edmonds. I know Blake will be excited about that. They also signed Teddy Bridgewater. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, Bridgewater. They need a backup quarterback. Bridgewater, excellent signing. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, contract got confirmed. Uh, I believe he's the first 50 million AAV player in NFL history. Honey Badger, Chris, what's the latest on him? Is he going out to Vegas? Yeah, all signs pointed to him going to Vegas, leaving the Chiefs. I think it was a two-year deal. Yeah, that's what I saw as well. Browns traded for Amari Cooper. That was a big deal. I know Dallas just signed Gallup to a big extension once uh, Amari left. My guy Mitch Trubisky signed with Pittsburgh. He uh, hopefully will take the reins there of that franchise and do well for them, except for when they play Buffalo. The Chargers got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson making moves out west. That whole division is just insane. I mean, obviously, we hit on Denver getting Russell Wilson last week, but it seems like that whole division, everybody's just going to beat each other. And obviously, the Chiefs, I would I would assume, are the favorite to win, but 
it seems like that. That'll, that I mean, that division, those, divi- those that, divisional games are going to be on TV every week. Yeah, and it's just going to be a bloodbath between everybody. You got Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos. Herbert, Mahomes, and Wilson. The other thing that kind of hit home here in Buffalo, the loss of Harrison Phillips, just from a out in the yep. community type player. Definitely. He was up for the Wal- Walter Payton. Sad to see him Couple leave. Times, I think. Yeah, sad to see him leave yep. to go to Minnesota. Harrison was a. He, he came in right after. Uh, maybe a, a year after I was here in Buffalo, he's been a, a good friend to me. He's been a great uh, asset to this organization, but he will definitely be missed. But I'm glad that he went out and got that bag in Minnesota. Obviously, Tom Brady is back. Don't think that is going to hit very well uh, with either of us. But okay. the last note I had on here were was to talk about the Bill signings. We already talked about them, but my last note was Big Baller Bean. And that's that's it. That's that's big baller bean. That's, that's it. The that's tweet. the tweet. I'm not surprised that going back to Brady. I'm not surprised that he re the unretired to go back to Tampa Bay. Because on my other podcast, the Rockpile Report, I've said to Drew. I think might have been three or four times over the last month. Just, I look at him and go, just just go, just go through the NFC quarterbacks in your head: Stafford, Rogers. And then there's everyone else. So Brady coming yep. back, you got a viable option to I don't think there's anybody that's gonna challenge him for the, the South with the Saints mess, new head coach, they don't have a quarterback, Carolina, they're trying to get a quarterback, Atlanta also trying to get a quarterback. I heard that Deshaun Watson is a possibility for Atlanta, but Unless that happens, sounds like he's a possibility for a handful of teams. Yeah, but unless if Deshaun Watson doesn't get moved, NFC South belongs to Brady this year. Hard to argue uh, with you on that. There, kind of ending the NFL talk. I know there's there's a lot. That, you know, today was obviously the first day signing could be made official. There will be uh, a few more waves of free agency to go through obviously over the next few weeks leading up to the uh, NFL draft. Definitely a fun day after kind of, um, you know, it was, it was pretty quiet there for a while on the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills Twitter streets. And then um, we got you know. spurned by J.D. McKissick and, you know, that threw Bill's Twitter in a little bit of a, in a little bit of a mess there because uh, McKissick is a great ability out of the backfield and that not happening and, it's like, come on, Buffalo, what else are you going to do? And then, you know, after dinner, Big Baller Bean gets it done with O.J. Howard and Von Miller. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was great to see. Very exciting. I had I had a bunch of people blowing my phone up because I think a, a move like that, I had a couple people kind of, I guess, relating it. And I wouldn't remember, but you would. Uh, relating it back to the early 90s teams that had a lot of the big-name guys uh, across the league. Yeah, winning the team and, and being Buffalo being a free agency destination now. It's crazy that Buffalo is being considered as a free agency destiny. I mean, Von Miller is easily the biggest signing we've had at that position since Mario Williams. When I first got to Buffalo, obviously things were a bit different, and Chris, you can attest to that. And 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 I always heard guy, you know, guys on the team would say, you know, it, it takes a little extra. You know, you gotta. You got to offer a little more to come to Buffalo, and I don't think that's the case now with 
training facility we've got, the guys we have on the team. Obviously, the staff has done a great job, a great job drafting guys um, and, and bringing in talent that other guys across the league, other superstar players want to want to be around and want to play with to further their careers and and, and, and be their best self is kind of the, the phrase that is thrown around the facility. But pretty cool, uh, definitely very excited. But the last thing I wanted to hit on, Chris, I know you and Drew are very passionate about the broadcasting teams across the league. Um, did you see the news about the new Monday Night Football crew? I am nerding out over this news that Fox loses Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, their number one team for the 425 America's Game of the Week to Monday Night Football. There's such a domino effect with this move of them going to ESPN because who's replacing them at Fox? What We already saw that Brian Greasy's out. He's gone to San Francisco for the QB coach job. Steve Levy, who did play-by-play, he's going to be fine because he's also doing hockey play-by-play. So he's not really losing a position. The other guy, Lewis Reddick, we don't, is he going to be relegated back to doing NFL live hits, sports center hits, and that nonsense? And there's also a tie-in to Fox not only nailing who's going to be the number one guy because they have two of the next three Super Bowls. And even on top of that, what are you doing for the World Series? Who's calling the World Series? It's it's that was the first thing that I texted that I was texting with Blake about. Who's the who's the their other MLB? Is it Joe Davis? I'm not sure. I know I know Smoltz is on there, and I think it's Joe Joe. I want to say Joe Davis does. Will, will, will Smoltz do play by play or color? He'll do color. He's obviously, the color guy with Joe. Yeah, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Joe Davis is the guy I'm, I'm thinking for. He does. Okay. He's the he's like the B team for Fox. So there's a chance that Joe Davis might get thrusted into that number one role. The other thing that I was thinking of in that space would Fox go after Al Michaels because he used to do baseball before you were born. I don't. I'm ten years older than you. I don't remember Al Michaels doing baseball. But Al Michaels, I guess, ended up signing with Amazon to do Thursday Night Football with Kirk Herbstreet. Definitely a eyebrow raiser, especially when you think about the fact that they have the the Manning cast. Yeah, as well. That totally um, signing de- those it devalues the it devalues the Manning cast for sure. Because absolutely, I, I spent which was such a hit last year. I spent last year. Watching the Manning cast over Same. the normal broadcast, but now that yes. you got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I'm tuning back into the the normal broadcast. Absolutely, and jo- Joe, just one thing: Joe Buck gets so much hate. He gets so and much. I don't hate. know why he gets so much hate from your generation. Yes, he is one of my favorite broadcasters, and I don't think anybody else does baseball better than Joe Buck. Maybe Matt Vaskersian. Yeah, that could be an, another. Matty V's legit, but that, Joe Buck. Uh, uh, Vaskersian oh. does Sunday Night Baseball. Is there, I know he did, yes. is there a place for Joe Buck now that he's at ESPN to do some baseball? If there should be. If he has to fill in for Matt on Sunday Night Baseball and I get to listen to Joe, Joe Buck and A-Rod, 
I'm going to tune yes. into Sunday Night Baseball. Sign me up. Sign me up right now. Speaking of baseball, excited it's back. Starting up here in a few weeks. But let's get into uh, some March Madness chatter. Chris, I know you, you got a chance to look over uh, the bracket a little bit. I have some thoughts a little bit on the a little bit a couple a couple thoughts on the, on the seeding. I kept up with with the bracketology probably more this year than I ever have before. I think um, I, I, I'm a pretty diehard LSU basketball fan. I know it's rough times right now. We obviously just lost our coach. Not really sure, you know, why they waited so long to do that. The school was kind of. Uh, not really been transparent about it, unfortunately. Uh, but a lot, you know, a lot of the fans, you know, some of the buddies that I've talked to, we just we kind of we kind of feel screwed um, a little bit. You know that our our fandom has been has been uh, used up, uh, if you will. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but if it, it kind of feels wasted a little bit uh, because we put so much so much focus and attention. I mean, I didn't miss a game this year. I watched every regular season game that was on TV that you know that I could. I never, never missed a game. And now Will Wade is gone. Potential sanctions incoming. Recruits are already leaving. I mean, the whole nine yards. It's it's just a bad. It's 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 a it's a tough time. Now, as I'm not the, I don't pay attention a whole lot to college basketball. My, I saw that LSU had let their coach go because of the the violations and they're in the tournament. You're going to have to relate this to me in a SEC football kind of way, but like where was Will Wade amongst coaches within the SEC? I would say he was probably, gosh, this is tough. Is he like um, a lane? We're looking at SEC football. Is he like a lane Kiffin type that kind of like I, mid, I, middle, I would middle, probably say middle high tier. He's middle high tier. And forgive me, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm out of the football brain at the moment. A and M's coach, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. I get Jimbo Fisher vibes from Will Wade. Okay, so potential he... to be great, recruiting phenomenal, the whole nine yards. We were rebuilding a little bit this year. Just, a, just a tough, tough year. But it's really frustrating as a fan of the Tigers to kind of, you know, go through the ups and downs of this season. And really, they were just waiting on the allegations to come out uh, last week to really make a move. Uh, so, so very frustrating there. But a couple notes on the bracket. Uh, I have my bracket here in front of me. Um, I already filled it out. Filled it out two days ago. I'll go ahead and let you guys know uh, the day. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this the day of March Madness starting. I have Gonzaga winning it all. I'm riding. The Zags train, I think they are on uh, the revenge trail uh, after losing to Baylor last year in the national title. I did pick Baylor last year, uh, so hopefully I can make it two in a row with Gonzaga. But looking across the board, obviously I watched a ton of LSU basketball, which means I caught a lot of SEC games just off the side or whoever LSU was playing. But Tennessee, man, Tennessee, there's been a lot of chatter. Chris, I don't know if you saw on Twitter – our guy Clay was was really, really frustrated with Tennessee kind of being underseeded, um, despite having a better resume than a few of the teams in front of them, and they had zero 
or they, all of their losses came to quad one teams, um, which there, there's there's four quadrants in the uh, NCAA, and that's how they kind of strength they kind of base the strength of schedule off of the uh, quad numbers uh, that teams fall in. But uh, Tennessee as a three seed, I am also riding them. I've picked them to win a few games. Um, they were definitely underseeded, so. Uh, hopefully they can, you know, from a three seed, they're not really, I don't think they can really be a sleeper team. Uh, but I think people will probably look at them, obviously, a little lesser than, say, Villanova, who is the two seed in that bracket, uh, to not go as far. Let me ask you this, is because I'm definitely out of the loop on college basketball. As long as I've been alive, SEC has never really been a basketball conference. Has, has, that, power, has that power shift changed? Pretty much, uh, de- yes, definitely over the past couple of years, definitely. I mean, obviously, Bruce Pearl uh, taking Auburn on such a good run uh, this year, being number one for uh, a good bit of time and, and definitely staying in the top ten for a lot of the second half of the season. Bruce Pearl, the sweatiest coach I've ever seen in my life. 100%. Uh, I think there's actually one, there's one guy that can one-up him. I think it's the Arizona coach. Um, he, he used to wear like a he used to wear a dress shirt to every game. I think a white dress shirt. You talking to Lute Olson? I don't know his name, but he, it was that was atrocious I mean that's, when I would see pictures. That was far back. Lute Olson is was far back, but no, I'm thinking of a guy more current. But uh, I'll have to I'll have to look, I'll have to look him up. But yeah, SEC. Uh, a lot of analysts, you know, not just SEC Network. A lot of the CBS Sports guys, some of the ESPN guys. They all kind of view the SEC as either the best or probably the top in the top two uh, conferences for college basketball, uh, definitely this season. I mean, looking top down in the SEC, you had Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, uh, LSU, A&M, Alabama, Florida. I mean, those are all solid, solid teams. Um, a couple of those guys, a couple of those teams missed out on the tournament, but Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama all made it to the tournament. That's six teams. I think that's probably either tied or uh, one of the most, te- you know, in terms of number of teams made it from one conference. But uh, pretty impressive this year. I mean, all the, you know, all those teams that I named were, were ranked at some point. Most of them, a few of them, ranked pretty high uh, for most of the season, but. Uh, to answer your question, yes, SEC definitely turning into more of a basketball conference than it used to be. Definitely still a football conference. Definitely the, the, the basketball side of it is is definitely creeping up. Now let me ask you this. How do we look at Duke's path to the finals? Because as far as I know, this is Krzyzewski's last year coaching. So that's going to be a, a hot news item as the weeks roll on towards the final four, a lot of people, a lot of eyes are going to be on Shashevsky and Duke. Absolutely. And I, I think, uh, I actually picked them. Um, I'm kind of giving away a little bit of my bracket. Um, but I picked them to lose in the second round to Michigan state. Duke struggled second half of the season. Their defense didn't do very well. They made it all the way to the ACC final lost to Virginia Tech, who I think is uh, a sleeper at number 11, uh, 11th seed. Yeah, I mean, Duke, they lost big. The last home game, obviously, Mike uh, Krzyzewski, Coach K, 
Uh, last home game at home to North Carolina. Huge rivalry, one of the biggest in sports, uh, and they kind of got they got roasted at home. I get where you're coming from uh, in terms of kind of the the storyline of it, but I, I'm just I'm not buying into it. They haven't won it in a long time. I'm not really buying into it. I'm, I'm picking them to lose uh, relatively early. How early? Are you are you going to give that away? How early? Yeah, se- oh. second round. I said I uh, said second round to Michigan State. Second round, Michigan State. What? Let me ask you this: What? Who are the Cinderella teams? One team that sticks out to me, who I, I have picked them in the first round, uh, South Dakota State. I can't remember the their their mascot. I think they're like the Jack Rabbits or something. They are. I think they are one of the top scoring teams in the whole nation. They are a 13 seed uh, in the Midwest region, playing Providence in the first round. That's uh, here in Buffalo. 13, yes. The 4-13 seed is not really historically a huge upset pick. Normally you're you're seeing those uh, really from the 5-12 picks uh, or, you know, 8-9 is obviously you get a ton more upsets there because they're so close. Uh, but the 5-12 seed is normally uh, historically where you get a lot of upsets and uh, 10-7 as well. But looking at, you know, South Dakota State – Definitely uh, a, a Cinderella team. I, I have them winning in the first round over Providence, I think. Historically, if you look at teams that are strong offensive teams, if you can get hot uh, right out of the gate and get scoring in your fir- in the first game, uh, usually that bodes well for you. Uh, and you know, but, but vice versa, you know, if you come out slow, you, you know, you, you kind of it, ta- it usually takes teams, you know. S- a little bit to get going, getting used to a new stadium. Sometimes when you play in those big domes and whatnot, there's a lot of backspace behind the backboard. It's usually what a lot of guys complain about um, historically. But uh, in terms of uh, other kind of upset picks, one one that I noted down, and I'm kind of playing defense uh, with my bracket here a little bit, Michigan, the 11 seed Michigan, uh, is the highest picked team to upset their opponent. Uh, They're playing six-seed Colorado State. Uh, I am picking Colorado State, one, because they're the higher seed. Their BPIs are are, are relatively close, but, you know, a lot lot of people picking Michigan. They barely made it in. Jawan Howard had that blow up. Did you? I don't know if you saw that. Oh, I, I, uh, he got suspended. I saw Um, that. That was insane that a coach – Yes. I mean, I don't know if it if it has to do with the competitive nature that Juwan Howard has as him being a former player, part of the Fab Five, but that you just can't do that as a head coach. Just just slap an assistant coach of the other team in the handshake. <clears throat> yeah, not great. Like I said, I'm playing defense a little bit. I'm kind of expecting a lot of people to pick that that blue blood uh, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines in the first round, but one thing I did want to hit on that I that I found interesting about the the East region was UCLA down there as the four seed. Um, they have a top ten BPI ranking, which is which is kind of what I usually go off of when I'm picking my bracket. I usually look at a the seeding of the first round matchups, but b I like to look at the BPI. That really it kind of measures the the strength of the team, the strength of the kind of who they've played, 
uh, their record, conference, every kind of the whole nine yards. It's a it's a great way to to kind of index how good a team is, and they are a four seed with a top ten BPI. So I have picked uh, I have actually picked UCLA to win a couple games. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how far they go. Uh, but another, uh, obviously, I hit on Virginia Tech earlier. Eleven seed out of the East is, is one of my uh, semi sleeper teams. They have a top 20 BPI, uh, but Villanova, I have them going all the way to the final four because Jay Wright's team is just always a tough out, and they've been final four or in the final uh, a couple times over, over the past uh, decade. It, it's, it's, it's extremely, you know, every year they pop up as a top seed in the bracket. And it's just so hard to count them out because he is such a great coach. You know, looking over the the bracket here, I feel in, in, you know, a a one and done situation for every team. This tournament has to come down to coaching and who has the better coach. Because a lot of times, at least I know in other sports, with because I, I follow hockey a lot and, and football, you know, a team might take on the personality of their head coach. So I'm going to assume the teams that are the best coached are going to be able to get to the Final Four here. Yeah, d- you know, definitely. Um, and I think that's reflected. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning a lot on my viewership of the SEC this year. Um, there's a handful of great coaches um, in the SEC, and really, a lot of those games that between those top teams, um, kind of relating it to the NFL, uh, they really come down to you know pre-halftime and late-game adjustments and situational situational basketball. Can you hit your free throws? You know, are are you getting a two for one uh, when the shot clock is above thirty? Stuff like that, uh, playing smart in the last few minutes, not giving, not you know, not throwing the ball away, all that stuff. You know, LSU was up and down with it kind of all season. But you look at teams like Auburn, you look at teams like Tennessee and Kentucky, top teams in the SEC, but really top teams across the nation. They don't make the silly mistakes, and they have guys that can score from anywhere on the floor. Great coaches, they are obviously able to recruit great players who can then go out and, and, you know, perform on the floor. But there there is definitely, to your question, um, there is a, a good amount of coaching and strategy that goes into it. Uh, when to, you know, when, when to sub, uh, mat, you know, what matchups to play, when are the bigs in, when are, you know, when are the, you know, when to sub on your defensive guys, stuff like that. A lot of that stuff goes into it. Kind of getting into the rest of the, bracket i wanted to hit on a couple of my favorite matchups uh chris i'll hit on a couple and then um if you if you have a couple that you want to hit on uh, i will let you do that so starting off my list is the eight nine matchup in the east uh, north carolina uh, going up against marquette Um, these are two of the higher scoring teams in the whole tournament when the bracket makers uh, I don't know their official name. Kind of write up the bracket and see the teams. I always uh, enjoy when I'm when I'm filling out my bracket, going through and looking at average points per game and seeing two pretty high. You know, th- th- these two teams score in the high 70s, which is which. You know, if you're averaging 
high seventies for college basketball. That that's that's a pretty good pretty good stat line across a whole season, especially when you play like North Carolina in a strong conference like the ACC. But uh, North Carolina, Marquette, eight nine first round, higher scoring high higher scoring teams, relatively speaking. Uh, that's one of my favorite games of the first round. Um, second on my list was the Alabama Crimson Tide, the sixth seed in the West region. And they're playing the uh, – actually, one, they're, they're, they're going up against one of the play-in games that is tonight, uh, Rutgers uh, or Notre Dame. I tried to resist having my LSU bias come out because Alabama's on the other side of the bracket than LSU is. But Alabama has been so hit or miss this year, uh, basically all season. Uh, they have they have beaten a lot of good teams, and they have also lost some pretty. They've lost you know to some pretty bad teams. Um, so they're they're kind of all over the board. I think it's perfect that they're a six seed. They're right in the middle, similar you know basically the same as, as LSU. They finished I think a game worse in in the SEC than LSU did. So pretty similar there. But I I just have to believe. You know, Rutgers or Notre Dame, whoever wins tonight, I think that'll be a great game. I'll be tuning in. As uh, we're as know. we're recording this right now, Rutgers is up five, about to head into halftime. There you go. Uh, live updates from producer Chris. Either of those teams, whoever comes out on top tonight, I think is going to have a pretty good warm up uh, game to kind of take into their matchup with Alabama. I think Alabama is prime for an upset. Next on my list, Michigan State and Davidson. I know I said earlier I picked Michigan State to beat Duke in the second round, but I think uh, Michigan State being a seven seed this year, that 7-10 matchup is where a lot of upsets come from. Tom Izzo is a March coach. I put that in my in my notes, March all caps. Uh, but Davidson historically is a pretty decent tournament team. They, you know, Steph Curry went there. They have they have pretty good history of doing uh, doing pretty well in the tournament. So I think that'll that will be a great first round game. You know, I mentioned uh, riding the Tennessee train, riding the Vol train. I think they're going to win a couple games right out right out of the gate. Uh, definitely make it through the first weekend. I think they have a chip on their shoulder, even though they're a three seed. You know, that's that's still that's still kind of the top of the list. But I think. They feel kind of uh, they feel hard done by that and feel like they should be a two seed if not knocking on the door for a one seed. Um, and then Gonzaga, obviously number one overall, looking for revenge from last year. I mentioned it at the beginning of the preview. They are looking for revenge, uh, and they are actually on the same side of the bracket as Baylor. So if they meet in the final four. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar that's going to be one of the highest rated games of the year. But uh, just two notes before I finish. Um, the potential Auburn-Miami second-round matchup uh, I think could be one of the best games of the tournament. That's down there in the Midwest region. Obviously, Auburn likely to make it past Jacksonville State. 10-seed Miami gets 7-seed uh, USC in the first round. So uh, if Miami can get past them, I know they, they did uh, – pretty well in the ACC this year. I think that Auburn-Miami matchup in the second round could be prime uh, for a great game. And then lastly, uh, obviously I mentioned getting to watch a lot of the SEC this year uh, and, and seeing a lot of those top teams. J.D. Note, 
uh, from Arkansas being one of the top scorers in the nation. Uh, Arkansas beat LSU three times this year, unfortunately. Uh, not great for the Tigers, but um, that Arkansas team is a one of the toughest outs of the tournament for sure. I think uh, if they can get past Vermont in the first round and UConn can get past New Mexico State in the first round, that's that's one of those 5-12 matchups. Uh, could, UConn could be primed for an upset. But if UConn and Arkansas meet in the second round, I think that is going to be uh, you know, I'll, 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 that will be appointment television for me because Arkansas, um, they are a bulldozer. I'll tell you some of the things that I'm looking forward to for the March Madness. Just because I'm biased, my brother went to Auburn. I'm going to be paying attention to what Bruce Pearl and Auburn are going to be doing throughout the entire tournament. And then the other two things that I'll be looking at, we touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, what is Mike Shashevsky doing? How's Duke doing? It's his final tournament before he rides off into retirement sunset from Duke. And then the other one I'm going to be looking at is Michigan. I know they're an 11 seed, but Juwan Howard suspended for the rest of the regular season. He's coming back. I'm going to want to see how Michigan performs and also if he punches out any Colorado State coaches. Love it. Great to hear it. Um, and just one, uh, I wanted to hit on the – the bracket challenge that we are doing uh, here on after the snap. So go go uh, go go hit our social pages. Uh, we put the links up uh, on Twitter. I just uh, posted something on my personal page um, a little earlier this evening. But uh, if you want to fill out an ESPN bracket, where you know you can enter one bracket per person, there's a couple prizes that we are that we are giving away. For the top three winners, um, the third place prize gets a autograph hat by myself and Blake. Um, second place, you get a autographed football by Reed and Blake. Uh, that can be a Bills football and or a Dolphins football. And top prize, two tickets to the Ferguson Bowl of your choice this upcoming season. That could be either in Buffalo or Miami. A lot on the line here, Chris. I'm assuming you have joined already. I put mine in. I know Blake has put his in, but definitely, you know, I scrolled through the list of people that have that have, that have that have signed up for our challenge already. And there's a lot more than last year. I think we didn't have any prizes last year, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing who who comes out who comes out on top. So so go visit our social pages. The links are on there. Um, if you don't have uh, social media, you can search on ESPN, search for the group after the snap bracket, and you can find it on there. So uh, any questions, as always, hit us up on Twitter at after the snap pod on Instagram at after the snap pod. And uh, like Blake always says, please hit us with a subscription on wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. We appreciate that. Likes and reviews and ratings, five-star ratings, help us to build and grow the podcast. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.